What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Master Mindset Podcast, the spot to get your mind right. You can't just train the body. You got to train the mind and spirit, right? So today we have some great guests. This is our first, I think, couple guests on the show. We have Mark and Bethany Wymore, friends that I met years ago in the metropolis of Puyallup, Washington. Um, oh, two, five, three. Two, five, three in the house. What's and T-Money are producers from Puyallup as well. Wow. Um, so they planted the church six years ago in San Diego. Their church leaders, Mark Wymore. Can I say world-renowned music producer, creator, artist? Let's say it. I'm going to say it. Okay. I think we say that. Um, and, and Bethany, I can't wait to talk about your new venture you're working on. But uh, just great humans, great leaders, great people. Um, I get inspired when I meet and see them and talk to them, but welcome to the show. Oh, so good to be here, Colin. We're excited. Yeah, absolutely. This is our first time doing a, a duo. We've done weddings together. Yep. We've done sermons together, but we haven't done a podcast together. So it's amazing. Well, the, the intent of, of Master Mindset is I'm trying to look and research and find an interview thought leaders in the field of, of anything, marriage, uh, church leadership, uh, sport, business. And I think I look at you two, I've been inspired by you as a couple, first of all, and just your heart to pour into people, uh, to lead, to help people grow in their journey. But let's just talk about the origin. I'll just let you both, maybe, uh, Mark, you want to talk about like where y'all came from and all, all, all that. Absolutely. Um, I had a roommate in college uh, <laughs> named Chad Beach, which uh, Colin, you you know Chad very well. And um, his sister would come and visit. And I said, Chad, uh, I need to meet your sister. And so a couple years later, we got married. And um, so I, I come from California. She comes from the Northwest. And um, we got married. And quickly, we started uh, experiencing some some hard stuff. I lost my sight in our first year of marriage. Um, I've been type one diabetic since I was the age of two. So um, I've had it for over 43 years. And um, growing up, uh, I didn't know anything different than being type one diabetic. And um, if you've heard the comedian, he talks about uh, any type two diabetics and people raise their hand. He goes, you're a bunch of fakers. So <laughs> it's um, true. Sorry. That's not yeah. True. So um, we, we pretty much, uh, I grew up experiencing some, some setbacks or things that uh, would, would be hard uh, for anybody. But in 1979, um, diabetic care was, was just so low. They didn't know what they didn't know. You use pig insulin. Um, they had you urinate on a stick. They didn't have blood checking and all of that kind of stuff. And so um, at a very young age, I just learned what it means to, to get through a lot of hardship. And my parents were amazing. I grew up in a pastor's home. She grew up in a pastor's home. And so, um, you know, anybody watching that knows pastor's kids uh, knows that they probably need a lot of counseling. And so um, I think, I think the, the reality for, for us is that um, God had a plan for both of us individually. Yeah. God had a plan for us together mm -hmm. and um, we've had a great run. Um, we've had a lot of fun. We've had uh, a lot of successes. 
and we've also had a lot of heartache and a lot of hardship. And, um, and so, yeah, at 18, um, I played two or three sports a year. Unlike you, Colin, um, I played very mediocre, uh, baseball player. Um, and then, um, my senior year, I learned how to play the piano. And so at 16, I fell in love with music, fell in love with writing music, composing, and um, went to Bible college. And I met, um, I met a producer and did my first album at the age of 19. And uh, I haven't stopped. And so um, the thing that I tell artists all the time is don't try to be the one hit wonder. Don't hold on to that one idea or that one thought or that one creative moment um, because the steam is going to run out. And so um, I've just put out album after album. We've done kids albums. We've done worship albums, singer songwriter albums. And um, by God's grace, been able to travel the world. Um, and uh, it's really funny. You said world renowned. Um, my father uh, my stepdad is actually a a missionary to the Chunga jungle, and he'll have a, a one of the villagers come up and work on a translation with him. And he tells me all the time, Mark, you're number one in the Chunga jungles. It's deep in Panama. You have to take a boat. And he goes, you're the only one, but you're number one. And so we gave him their first CD ever uh, to the Chunga, Chunga jungle. So... Um, yeah, man, I, I think, um, I wouldn't be here without, without my wife, wouldn't be here without parents who, who loved me and literally woke me up in, in the night when my blood sugar was low and, um, you know, just here by God's grace and here grateful to, to be here today, you know, love it, man. I, I love you and your mustache. Um, Bethany, I'd love to hear about your, your lens, of uh, growing up and everything. Oh, man. Well, you know, the thing that when Mark talks about our worlds colliding, you know, starting off at Bible college, I remember I told Chad coming down to L.A. to Bible college that I was going to serve in the high school ministry. And as soon as I showed up and uh, met Mark, he asked me to serve in the junior high ministry. And Mark, uh, Chad takes me to Applebee's because that's about as cool as we got in Bible college. And he says, like, you can't serve with him. This guy's just going to want to marry you. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm okay with that. So, you know, I was like, that was the wrong speech to tell your younger sister. So, uh, but you know, it's challenging six weeks into our first, uh, to marriage. Like, so our first year marriage, we're not just talking first year, but like literally six weeks in Mark had his first ever diabetic complications. And, uh, it was talk about conflict and how to deal with hardship in your marriage right away. I was 20 years old. I wasn't even 21 years old. And the doctors are taking Mark's driver's license for, from him. So taking away his independence, a strong-willed, you know, 24 year old man. And right away, we just had to learn like, what does this look like to add in this third party into our marriage, which was called disease. And, um, you know, for my family, we talked about everything. There was not an elephant in the room, kind of some strong leaders and strong personalities. It was a little bit at times, like who's going to jump on the, the big elephant in the room first. Like we, there was nothing that you couldn't talk about in the beach home. And, uh, you know, cause my parents are first generation, uh, Christians, first generation pastors. So 
we just learned how to talk about hard things. And then Mark was like raised in this, you know, very charismatic Pentecostal church. You pray about everything. Yeah. You don't talk about anything. So our feelings weren't valid. Our fears, our, our the, the pain of it, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. So quickly, you know, I started to learn how passionate I really was about trying to be as family first healthy which actually took it deep, deeper to individually healthy because the pull of leadership and the pull of ministry, when you're on a platform, it's to get everything shiny on the outside. And so, you know, I think that's probably why I was so passionate about um, just trying to have a healthy mindset and grow and be emotionally healthy and not just put so much focus on being uh, spiritually healthy or so much focus on being leadership healthy, but really trying to learn, like, how do we handle hardship? Well, I got to get my mind right if I'm going to handle this hardship because I can't change him. I wish I could, but I've not never been able to. And so um, that's kind of why I'm passionate about the things I am passionate about of helping women to handle hard times and believe that they can get through it. Can we talk about something real quick? She was a state runner um in the 400 by the way for let's talk about physical health she is so fast colin i would love to see you and her race because i think she might be oh my gosh no not anymore not mm. anymore i wouldn't doubt that at all. yeah i that's great and i do love your your brothers chad and kyle your parents are so amazing bethany but you're talking about um mental wellness and mindset and i think what you're talking about oh i love that you shared how your family was, was open about like it yeah. was a safe environment. It was a safe mm -hmm. environment to talk, yeah. share, and to get vulnerable. And I think back to when I first got exposed, Mark, to, to you as a pastor at Pell Foursquare. It was summer of 2007. Roger Archer, the pastor, was in Hawaii or somewhere, and he let the young bucks run the the sermons. I think, and I remember your uh, um, story testimony about your health like I would never forget seeing someone close to my age get so vulnerable in front of hundreds of people wow and I was I was like shook like how vulnerable you were about your challenges and your struggles like going to fast food places and you're diabetic and you just you can't stop I'll never forget how that made wow. me feel about how open you were and it just inspired me like I never talk about my weaknesses and my fears ever <laughs> and this guy's like this whole church congregation I remember how like moving that was, mm. um, but maybe talk about that journey about just the courage or the fear or how you had to adapt or maybe a, a moment or a story where you struggled and you had to overcome mm. like a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Which one, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I think, um, I think the thing that I have to realize is, um, you know, if you wake up in the morning and your first conversations aren't with the people around you, but they're with the God who created you, um, you realize that, that he sees everything anyway. And, um, and the, the reality for me is, is that um, even as a leader, like if it's broken, all you have to do is look in the mirror. And you, if, like, if I saw brokenness in our church, I could just go in the mirror and go, oh, it's probably me. Um, as I serve my family and I serve my, my wife and our, our, our home, um, I, I believe that, that I'm called to serve 
um, my home. And if something is in broken in my house, I just need to go look in the mirror. Does that make sense? And so vulnerability is so not uh, natural for any of us. Mm -mm. Vulnerability, talking about your weaknesses, talking about um, your mess ups. I, I think as a communicator back in the day, I was always looking for a place to talk about vulnerability because the moment um, and, I, and I use I usually use humor. So I, I would talk about my addiction to fast food. I made a, a, a one year commitment. I will not eat Carl's Jr. Like if it doesn't get all over the place, it doesn't belong in your face, you know. And so um, I, I said, OK, I'm not going to eat Carl's Jr. for one year. I was addicted to it and um, bacon. Yeah, I love the uh, Western bacon cheeseburger. Come on. And so um, day one, I pull up and I, I walk in and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? And so I left. Day two, I pull up, I go to pay and I'm seriously like about to pay. And I remember I made a commitment. Day three, I pull up again. It was three days in a row. And so I just was talking about. Um, vulnerability, because here's the, the reality. Everybody experiences weakness. Everybody has addiction. Everybody has a point where they want to cope. And 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 it's not about whether or not you're tempted. It's not about whether or not um, you want to cope. It's what you do with that temptation. It's what you do with the coping. It's what you do with the addiction. And so um, I just think turning lights on um, is always best because wherever there's light, there is life. Mm -hmm. And, um, and usually we don't like what we see. And so I've just felt like if God sees it already, why is it not? Okay. Uh, the, the hardest part is when you don't see it yourself mm -hmm. and self-deception can be a really scary place. And so, um, that's kind of where we try to live just lights on with yeah. our kids um, lights on at our church, mm -hmm. lights on with our friends, family. Um, I didn't grow up in that. I, I grew up uh, probably more with secrets and mm -hmm. and even at places there were a lot, a lot of lies mm -hmm. of self-deception. Yeah. And so um, that's been super redeeming marrying into Bethany's family. So That's great. Well, why are we so afraid to be open and honest with ourselves, number one, and in others? Mm. Why was he, or do you think why? Like that's a general question. Why? Why are we? Why is it so hard? Oh man, I mean, I, I, you can take that one. I mean, I can tell all the reasons yeah. why. Like, I just think there's a difference between transparency and vulnerability. Like for me, I I want to grow from like strength to strength. I want to like achieve and be successful, but I really hate the part where you have to tap into my weaknesses. Like, I don't like admitting when I failed. I don't like admitting when I've messed up. I, I have my pride and my ego does get in the way. And so, you know, I'm willing to, I want to take steps forward, but I hate, you know, Pete Scazzaro. I tell people all the time about him because he's just the best emotional health coach I think out there. And, you know, I think I kind of have a love hate relationship with him because one of his quotes is that things, when things are falling apart, they're actually coming together. And when I'm learning about what it means to go back in order to go forward and to look at my, 
my fears and my weaknesses and the really messy parts of my life. Like I'm like, that's the last place I want to go. Like, I just don't want to go there. I want to just go from like, from strength to strength, you know, but, but the Bible says that it's actually through, through our weakness. That's when we receive our strength. We don't get access to his strength just when we want more of it. We get access to his strength when we, when we fall back and settle into and let things kind of fall apart. That's when you'll receive the strength of the Lord and have that, that one step in the right direction. Yeah. I think everybody's afraid. Um, you know, there, there are, um, 365 verses in the Bible that talk about fear. And so I just tell people there's a, there's a scripture for fear every single day. And, um, fear is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and whether we're afraid of our past, whether Mm -hmm. afraid of, of, of our image and who we are. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you're saying, why are we afraid? I think, um, I think the reality is, is when we start to look at who we really are, um, we begin to image manage. And so here's where I am, but here's where I want to be. And then we fill this chasm Mm -hmm. of who we are and who we want to be. And and we perform and we're a bunch. A lot of us are a bunch of performers and strivers. And um, and so that's actually um, you know, I, I'd love to talk about this later. Mm-hmm. How do you get out of the performance? Mm-hmm. How do you get out of striving um, when when you're actually a, a facade of what you really want to be? Mm-hmm. And because um, a lot of us can get there. Uh, I mean, yeah, a lot all, faster. All of us. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's true. I would say I you just described me very clearly about trying to perform and fit in and be like and so consumed by what I think other people think, which half the time they're not thinking about you. Actually, all the time they're worried about how they look. So just understand that. I think, and Bethany, what you were touching on too, Mark, and you kind of chimed into this is, it's okay to be afraid. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be hard. Like being vulnerable and honest, asking for help and telling your truth or letting light shine on your darkness or your issues, that's why it's hard because it's growth. That's why it's difficult because it you're... Is you're improving and improving and working through it's like going to the gym you don't get stronger unless you push through the pain and your muscles are breaking down and that's how it recovers stronger or emotionally when we get vulnerable and share our our truths and ask for help like it's hard yeah squatting and bench pressing is is not easy if you put weight on it it's the same thing with our emotions and our fears i would just listen out there the longer you wait it has weight i just as long as you wait to share, be open, ask for help, it's just going to get worse. It's going to build and build and build until it just explodes. So whether it's, you know, in a small group or a pastor mm-hmm. with a counselor, trusted friend, yeah. just just expressing what you're feeling and what you're afraid of, like that to me, that's just step one, is just to acknowledge that it's okay. It's okay to be afraid. But I think there's there's power in making your, your mess your message. That's part of like the, like the, the healing. Would, would you agree with that? Oh, completely. I mean, when the pressure is that thick in life, a lot of times that's when we feel like we can't, like, I can't let things fall apart. Like when you feel the weight of life as a mom, I think, as a wife, as a pastor, whatever you're leading, just a working person, like you just feel like I don't have the time to let things fall apart. Like I can't stop and ask for help because 
I can't, I just, you know, I know I felt like that before. Like I can't let things fall apart, but actually like that's when you're at the greatest moment to let things fall apart, find a safe person, Mm -hmm. find safe people, uh, and keep knocking on more doors. If you don't find that right person that is safe, like you're going to experience rejection when you put yourself out there. Like not everyone has the capacity to walk through your heart with you. And that's something that I've had to learn that the, and adapt with, like God has brought people in our life to help us through his first trans, well, first his eyesight stuff, then eye surgeries, then we went through infertility, then we go through a transplant, then we go into a church plant, now into a resigning because we are hoping for a second transplant. Oh, by the way, our kids were both diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in it. So the ebbs and flows of life, like when you get those setbacks in life, like it's not one person that is going to like be there for you at all times. Maybe a mom, maybe a dad, maybe a, you know, best friend, but, but even like getting help and asking people for help and saying, Hey, can you walk with me through kind of my mess? Like my world's falling apart. Then you got to be able to know that like the next round of your hardship, when life, when you get another setback, it might not be the same people who are there for you. And that was hard for me at first to adjust to like, man, you know, the ebbs and flows of even the relationships, those who are just assigned to just help hold our, our hands up through a hard time, you know, um, it's worth asking for help is what I'm wanting to say. Like, it's always worth it. And there are always people there to help you through your hard time and it'd be okay if it changes. I've seen it change a lot, you know, not everyone, you know, not everybody wants to hear our next um, hospital stay or diagnosis or, you know, hard thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is a question yeah. that I try to help with, or you want to jump in more, you want to share it. You want to add on, on to that? No, no, no. Yeah. I, I was just going to say uh, it doesn't take long to find at least one person that's going through something more difficult Yeah, or, who has probably experienced the same or, um, but there's always going to be somebody that's hurting more Mm -hmm. than you. And um, I've got, I just started uh, doing vocal lessons this last week and um, really amazing. When I was in Puyallup 12 years ago, um, one of our students uh, was in a car crash and she was almost killed. Mm -hmm. And she was at in college playing volleyball and we actually took a, a team to go sing over her and her family in the hospital. And, and I remember thinking, man, my stuff is so difficult, but this girl is, you know, 19, 20 years old, just lost everything. Mm. And, and by God's grace, she lived through it and um, was paralyzed and had to find out what am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. Um, when she found out I was doing vocal lessons, she said, I would love to get vocal lessons from you. And so I do a, a weekly lesson with her mm-hmm. uh, from a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And um, and it is amazing to me every time we get on the call. She's like, Mark, I've been praying for you guys. <laughs> How's your family? How are your babies doing? Um, don't give up. You got this. And I'm going like, are you joking me um, as she's in her wheelchair trying to sing? And I don't know if you've ever tried to sing sitting down, but it's it's difficult. And even that she's like, I got this. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't want eight weeks. I want 12 weeks of vocal lessons. And so 
um, there's just always going to be someone who's going through it worse than you. And uh, it keeps it keeps your mind uh, set on the place where Jesus said Mm -hmm. in this life, there are many troubles, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And um, that's the thing. I think when you go through heartache, when you go through setbacks, um, Jesus goes like, yeah, I I, I let you know this is what was going to happen. Like there's a lot of heartache, um, but don't lose heart. Take heart. That's, um, you know, for us, our faith is, is core to who we are. And so um, the Bible says, guard your heart for out of it springs the issues of life. Mm. Um, you you got to guard your heart. And, um, and that's, uh, or as my friends in England say, you got to guard your heart. Um, and so, um, you know, I would just encourage anybody listening. Um, there's going to be someone that's going through a, a, a more difficult season than you. And, um, and you just need to remember, you got to take heart in those seasons. That's good. Well, I was thinking about both of you had a version of talking about what you let define you. Mm. It's your role as a mother or an artist or you plant a church. And I think a lot of us get so wrapped up in what we do and outcomes and results of our roles, of our tasks to define us, to define this accident or this diagnosis or planning a church or an album or making a song or me writing a book. Like you let what you do define you or this title that you've created. So we both read that as probably a trap, right? So what should we be doing in that area to not let that, uh, you know, uh, kill us? Oh, yeah. I mean, gosh, we both could take this and run with it. I know you probably want to. I think like that's where you get around people who help you master your mindset, but also help you identify your calling. Because when your calling's not attached to like all those titles of what you do, like I'm not defined by being a mom. I'm not defined by being a pastor. I'm not devi- defined by being a type one diabetic mom. Like I have two type one diabetics, diabetic kids that could so quickly define me because it's so much of what I do. I put so much of my energy into that. But to start, you know, to go back to and to be able to identify, like, I know I am called to empower people. So whether I'm doing that in my home as a mom or whether I'm doing that, when Mark was talking about, you know, finding people who have worse hardships than you, on a real practical way, I don't always find the person who's having it harder. I just want hard to be hard. Like I want my heart to stay soft, that the heart I've gone through, it makes me live on mission to know that my ability to pour courage into somebody, like whether their heart is small in my mind or their heart is a wheelchair paralyzed. Like I've just challenged myself to live a life like, cause, cause hardship will make you want to, um, be the victim. I don't know about you guys, but I become the victim real fast. Hardship makes me want to be the villain. I want to just be really mean and rude to people around me who think their heart is, you know, I was telling a mentor of mine, like I'm ruined for normal. Like I'm trying to go to this Bible study on zoom and these moms hard this year is that their kids have to wear masks to school and they're throwing a fit about that. I come over here to my neighbors where I'm trying to, you know, shine a light of Jesus to my neighbors at my Bunko group. If you know anything about Bunko, it gets crazy there. And um, their heart is that their husband ordered DoorDash wrong for them. And I'm like, my husband was given seven to nine months to live this year. 
And I just resigned from a church, like a community of people I loved leading and I loved living life with. And I don't know where our income's coming from. Oh, and by the way, like we're hoping Mark can get a transplant. And his first transplant, I had kids. My The second transplant, my kids now have the same disease that's wreaking havoc on his body. Like my, my heart has like ruined me for normal. But as I stayed in this, like worked through my mindset and, you know, worked through my, put my priorities in straight, you know, right. I was able to realize like, I want my heart and I'm going to be able to live by these values to make me relatable to everyone that I see, to not be judgmental about someone's heart and to know I'm called, my identity is I'm called to empower others. I'm going to show up for others. I'm going to make the meal when the meal train is going through my neighborhood and it's because someone, you know, had a baby and I'm like, well, my heart feels too hard to sign up for the meal train, but I'm going to always make my life about others. I'm going to stop. I'm not going to let my life become self-centered and focused on myself because I want to, because I'm lacking a lot. I I need a lot of strength. I need a lot of, um, just to make it through my days, to be able to be, I work for a tech company. I, you know, all these things, like I just, I've fought that to be so selfish this year. But I think when you know who you are, you know, your identity and for all of us, the success of our life is not just about knowing who we are, but also being able to make our life about others. That's great. Really good. Yes. I, I read a book called Search for Significance um, years ago and um, talks about your identity outside of what you do. You know, we're not, we're not what we do. We're not our failures. We're not also not our successes. Um, and, um, comes back to who we were made. Um, if you're if you're a Christ follower, your identity isn't going to be in Christ, and 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 so like who I am is is usually um, always changing, and totally. and so and because life is changing, yeah. And um, if my significance is found in my circumstances, if my significance is found in my successes. Um, it's a dangerous place to be. Um, and, uh, I was talking to my father-in-law, uh, your dad, uh, a couple of days ago. And he said, when he asked your mom to marry, um, him, he got permission from your grandfather and, uh, your grandfather says, well, you haven't served in the military and I haven't met a man <laughs> worth anything that didn't serve in the military. And Dave was all, well, I love Jesus, you know? <laughs> Um, you know, I'm in the Lord's army and, <laughs> and, and his significance was, was cause, cause the thing is, if, if you're, if the things you do bring you value, um, and they make you, then the problem is they'll break you. Totally. And, and so, um, that's why we can't find our significance in things and stuff in, um, you know, things that are going to pass away. And so from writing books to, mm-hmm all of those, those things. And so we have to find our significance elsewhere because the, the reality is all of us are going to come to a place of decline. And so for an athlete, um, they say you're at your peak at 27. And so that's literally why we have counselors that help athletes when they begin their decline, um, because they don't know who they are. All they've been is their successes, their practices, their routines and rehearsals. Um, and so for any of us, 
I, I think it's it's so easy to find our identity in in those things. As our social media is showing, um, you meet people by going on to Instagram. Yeah. You judge people on their Instagram. Like I, I pray nobody looks at my Instagram um, and 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 tries to find out who I am. It's like, okay, there's another hospital visit. Okay, hospital visit. Um, oh, there's a song that came out. It's like, that's not who I am. I'm not my sickness. I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not my, my, my worst on my worst day. Um, but I'm also not my successes Mm -hmm. when I write songs that, that the world gets to sing. And so, um, I think that's the trap for any of us. And, um, just to be reminded that, that I am who, who God made me, um, I'm loved, I'm valued, and uh, I'm just a son that has to come back to to the cross every morning. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I, I like to have any person I'm working with master these five words. Beth, you kind of mentioned it. I'm not defined by this. Mm-hmm. The fact that you're doing is you're not defined by it. And I would encourage anybody to know what is your mission, what are your values, what is your, what is your purpose. Yeah. So your, your mission would be like a calling that you're never going to stop doing. So you might win some, you might lose some, but I'm on this path to serve and grow in this area. Your values is what's most important to you, how you show up. Totally. What you're going to evaluate that you, it's not an outcome or result, but for me, I, well, Jordan is on there, the G, but the G stands for God first, to be grateful, give, grow, and have grace, start to remind myself mm-hmm. of those things that I value. And then your, your purpose is, I think, through... Um, like your your pain and how you want to serve how you want to show up you know why am i doing this what's the why behind the action uh, let's talk about marriage real quick you know what cool. kind of theme of this podcast is resilience let's talk yeah. about being resilient as a couple and <laughs> what what that has done what you have learned i mean how long have you, have you all been married we just celebrated 20 years of marriage and uh, we got married before the Enneagram existed, before we realized the um, irony of this calling of our unity that uh, God would put a type eight, uh, Enneagram eight, me with an Enneagram four. I think, Mark, um, probably when we were in our 20s, if we were to look at ourselves, we'd probably, I probably looked more like a two, like I was trying to fit into this helper box because that's what you do in Bible college. That's what the good Christian girl does. I met his mom and sister and they're like the picture perfect, you know, Christian girl. Like, and so not that I was trying to ever be them, but it was like, oh, that's kind of what the Wymore family does. I'm going to put in a little bit of the Veach in it, you know, and then Mark probably showed me early on. I mean, we didn't know Enneagram language. I probably saw a three in him. He's probably driven to that achiever because he wings three. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, uh, our greatest days are when we are having fun together. We really like having fun. Like anyone probably would say about us that like we're a good time when you put other people around us. Well, that's not what every day looks like in marriage. You know that like marriage is not only hanging out, socializing with your friends, having dinner parties, going out and dancing, karaoke. Like that's like, if life looked like that, our marriage would be great. Like we love that all day long. We connect on having fun. I don't like karaoke though. Okay. Well, he can kill it in karaoke. Yeah, and I'm she terrible. always signs me up for the same song every time boys to men, 
Oh, whatever. You sign up for that. Okay. So, you know, marriage has been so challenging for us to learn how to like, don't at all look at like 20 years and, you know, all this hardship. And like, we, you know, it's, there have been many moments that we have thought that this, we weren't sure if we're going to make it. We've had to get not just counseling, but mentors to help us. Um, You know, we've had to speak up and ask for help and be really vulnerable and honest with some of our really messy, broken um, hardships because we are just completely different. So you go from a transplant. Oh, my gosh. Who do we have here? This is Memphis. 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 Hi, Memphis. Hi, sweetie. Hi, Memphis. Do you want some of the drink? Do you help Daddy drink this Oh my gosh, adorable. She's how old? She's three. Okay, yeah, so let's, um, maybe we, team money, we can segue into this question. Hopefully there's a, a clear cut, but uh, let's, um, let's just talk about how do y'all deal with like conflict? How do you deal with like needs being met? We want you to say a, a, a big I think the biggest challenge in marriages is people don't talk, communicate. They don't share needs. Would you agree with yeah. that? The three, we call them the three dogs on the porch, communication, money, and sex. Um, and so when you have conflict, it's usually around the three dogs on the porch. Um, those are the, the primary things. And so um, conflict, I, I mean, the reality is that um, – you can do all the studies you want um, that if we, we used to think if we can do conflict better, we're going to have a better marriage. If we can do conflict better, well, then we'll stay together. The reality, the reality is, is that you got to go to the core of things because my core brokenness um, and my core pain that I, I'm dealing with intersects with her core pain um, right. And so, um, you know, I, I, I love Jerry Maguire, but she doesn't complete me. Um, she actually it makes it more complicated. Um, I don't complete her. I make it more complicated. So she doesn't complete me. She um, if I deal with my stuff and she deals with her stuff, the thing is, we begin to complement each other. And so um, for us. Like conflict is is just a reality. Um, I I grew up in a home that there is no conflict. We swept most things, if not everything, under the rug. For her, just you deal with conflict, you talk about it, um, and you don't let the sun go down on your anger. I used to think, who does that? She goes, well, by the way, the Bible says that. Um, and so we've had to learn um, that in conflict, um, and, and so this, you know, as we, we've learned how to do it in our marriage, like that plays out in all areas. It plays out in the workplace. It plays out in our relationships that conflict is inevitable. Conflict is everywhere. And, and conflict, um, can many times be, um, it can be dissolved by me or if it can become reconciled by me. And so, um, I, I think both of us have tried to realize like we can either dissolve this right now, um, or I can come to resolve it and, 
and we're going to come with good tools. And people have given us good tools for that. So talking it out, um, you know, any, any, I mean, there are so many different things that, that people have to do in their marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've, we've heard, we've heard from, from, uh, from one couple, he said, you know what, we just would go to bed with no clothes and you don't fight very long when you're not in bed, not wearing clothes. Come on, somebody like <laughs> you gotta be, there can be conventional ways. Um, and there can also be very obscure ways like, like that. And so, um, for us, communication usually brings freedom. And, and so for us, we've got to talk it out. Um, I'm not, uh, I'm not normally a very good uh, communicator, but I communicate all the time. I'm a deep filler. So I'll fill things six feet deep and then it usually comes out about six centimeters. So as grateful as I am, as excited as I am, as hurt as I am, it usually comes out this much. And then there's others that it's super expressive all the time and how I feel and this is the best and this is the worst. And it's it's probably six millimeters deep. Yeah. Does that make sense? And so I think as as we know who we are, um, uh, conflict gets more complicated, but um, I've got to allow her the space to process. Um, I've got to allow um, myself to process. Um, they call it bird brain, Colin. And so um, if you ever have been in the conflict and you use the words F you um, to the person you love, like you would never imagine there would be a day that you're going to say F you. Um, but uh, people go into bird brain. And what that means is the part of your brain that is in fight or flight um, is, is about the size of a canary's brain. And so when you run out the door, when you scream obscenities, when you throw things, even at times for abusive mar marriages, if they do that, fight or flight, it's usually because they're using the part of their brain that's the size of a bird. And so we call it bird brain. Hey, are you bird brain right now? And time of recovery is different for everybody. And so for us, um, I take longer. I usually take a day. Now I'm getting better, I think, right? Come on. <laughs> I'm getting a little better. Um, that I'll, I'll recover. Yes, I do think so. A I little do. sooner. Yeah, totally. I think that you used to be more like three or four days or five or six. Okay, so yeah. I think a day yeah, is exactly. probably... You're about a day now. Yeah. And and some people don't recover for years. Yeah. That's why when they tell the story from 30 years ago, it's like it's like they're sweating. You know, she said this and he said that. And and it's like they're right back there um, and they actually go back into bird brain. So you got to recover and recover your conflict or restore your conflict um, when you're out of bird brain when you're like actually present and you're able to think a little more rationally. It's hard. I would say, it's, I think it's, I'm gonna try to simplify this too. It's to have the, the courage to express needs and the other person have the courage to validate it. Yeah, it's the hardest. I hear, I hear you. Yeah. You want to know and you want to give your opinion and your side of it and defend where it's, it's so it's, it's hard sometimes to share your needs when someone else is going to, 
well, no, this is so to, to listen, validate, but also to share too. Um, that's good. We can talk about that topic forever, but I mean, be mindful of time. Um, I just want to talk about just art really quick. And, um, Mark, you've written, published over 125 songs worldwide. And I'm a, I'm a creator myself with um, speaking, writing, make, making content. Beth, you can jump in. I'm, I can't wait to hear what, what's next for you. But what's your process to create? Right. I'm curious to. Right. The reality, the reality is that's who God made me. Um, there are those that are very analytical and think step by step. There are those that are strategic. Um, there are those that that um, all they the end of the day, they just want to win. They don't care if they're creative or not. They just want to be first. Um, there are others that all they care about is relationships. And are they together? Um, for me, I'm a relational creative. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, my process isn't usually, I'm just sitting by myself, I'm reading an article and boom, a thought comes. For me, um, I found the greatest creativity comes when I'm in community. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we're better together. And and so I I love, creative retreats. I love going away for songwriting retreats. Um, our church in, in Puyallup, uh, we went on a, on a retreat and we wrote 19 songs. And I had the youth guys there. Um, I had our church team. I had our kids team. And um, from one songwriting retreat, we wrote 19 songs and came out with three different albums. So we did a kids album, a youth record, and then we did a church album. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I think you just got to be, again, the vulnerable. Uh, you got to be OK with your ideas mm -hmm. being shared with others. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like the creative process in a group. Um, and I can't imagine doing it uh, alone because uh, that's where my 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 thoughts stop. That's where I don't banter with people. Um, I love joking around. I love laughing. Mm -hmm. And so the more laughter, the more fun we're having, uh, the more creativity in my mind. And um, so like I'll get on YouTube and I'll just dive into funny clip after funny clip after funny clip. And um, I think I think that's the, the reality is to be OK in your own skin. Like I know what I bring. I just wrote a song with some artists who are big names. If I said them, you guys would know them. And I felt so small um, in the room, but they just kept going, Mark, that's such a great idea. We'd never thought of that. We And so just the, the, the availability to show up to a, a creative spot with others. And, and I, I love the fact that, um, you know, a, a princess cut diamond has 54 facets. And I had a jurist. I, I don't know if it's called a jurist. I forget. Gemologist? What you, a gemologist. Yeah, a gemologist in our church. And he said that, um, Mark, if a princess cut doesn't have 54 facets or, or parts to it, um, it actually mars the beauty of, of the diamond. And it just was like a light went on to me that... I wonder how many of us stop growing, stop learning, 
stop being creative. And, and because we don't do it in a group, we lose a facet to creativity. Mm. And so um, like when I'm in a room, I, I want more facets than just me. I'm, I'm boring. I'm, I have my experiences from my perspective, but if I get other experiences, other perspectives, it's more beautiful. That's for sure. Like my mustache, you know? Oh. I feed off energy, and I might need to bring that that stash energy next time I meet. Bethany, let's talk about what's next in Juicebox Betty. Let's talk about creation. Juicebox and what, what is Betty. I think Mark needs to sing his little Juicebox Betty. No, oh, he has oh, With bad. a lot of vibrato. <laughs> Come on, cool. Con, let me hear it. Juicebox Betty. Juicebox Betty. Dun, dun, oh. Dun. Oh. Write it. Come on, oh. this is that collaboration you're just talking about. That's right. get something good. But on the topic of like, themes of like growing and self-awareness and courage to try new things, to get vulnerable, like starting a whole new company or a new purpose, Bethany, let's talk about that. Yeah, well, I'm. Uh, it's early phases. I'm teaming up with a, a team to help me with this uh, because launching the vision that is in within me, it's still kind of being crafted. So it's pretty new. And it kind of happened on accident. Um, I've always wanted to get into life coaching. Like if I could get paid to do something full time, that's what I would like love, love to do. And I just some doors have been opening up. And, I, you know, we really have felt like since leaving the church that we wanted to stay in San Diego for the health of our uh of our kids, of our home, of our marriage, just me individually. I didn't want, a, I didn't feel like I had a move in me, a starting over as far as location. And so, um, gosh, I mean, through this year, as Mark's body has gone from like critical to stable to improving, the same time God's been calling me to step out into this time where I'm going to do just some, some more life coaching with women, whether they feel like they just are feeling afraid in life and need to overcome fears in leadership um, or with their, you know, if diagnoses have just hit them and taken them, you know, off track, off course, and they've kind of lost their identity. So more than just like to the diabetic community, but just women in general, and I'm calling it um, unshakable identity because I feel like that's really the message that I have. Um, that's what's kept me going in life is just that whenever life's hit us, whenever, you know, hard things have hit that I've gone back to um, knowing my identity. And I think that's helped me to continue to recover and in, enjoy life and like myself and like life and, you know, just have a freedom. So I'm, I'm stepping into some coaching. That's it. Yeah. The name kind of threw me off. I, I like where you're going with this. Um, I believe everybody needs a coach and a community a church and a counselor for the four seasons. But having, I think, just normalizing coaching, normalizing yeah. someone who has a set of skills or systems or support or um, kind of some guideposts to help support challenge and have space to have these conversations and then to follow up. Well, let's work on a few things, right? So, yeah. um, and Mark, about your evolution, uh, coaching, helping churches, leaders, um, in all facets, music, maybe talk about that. Yeah, we, um, a month ago, found out that I was not going to need a kidney transplant. And so 
we were planning these next three months to kind of be in um, kind of chaos and getting a, a kidney transplant for the second time. And so um, when the doctor said, you can go back to work, I'm like, well, I resigned and, <laughs> and here we go. And so um, we started a, an LLC, uh, markwymore.com and, um, and doing a three things. We're going to coach leaders and creatives. I'm going to make new music. And then thirdly, I just want to come alongside uh, other leaders and movements. So from church planners to, to, you know, large organizations coming alongside and just celebrate what they're doing. And so, um, our website, uh, I'm, I'm making new music. And so I'm, uh, doing music, um, kind of anywhere and everywhere right now and writing a lot. And then I'm coaching, um, teams and coaching creatives. And I was on a production meeting yesterday and, they were like, what are your thoughts behind what you do? Because I don't want to know what people do. I want to know their thoughts behind what they do. Mm. So it's kind of what you're doing, Colin. You're getting behind the scenes. You're going like, okay, behind your leadership, behind your success. Yeah. What are the thoughts um, behind those things? Because, you know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Right. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to, it's, it's beautiful at 45, um, you know, got some wins, got some successes, got had a lot more failures than successes. <laughs> but I, I think the thing that I can help is just asking questions because question, the quality of your questions will determine your, the quality of your answers. And so Bethany and I are um, at 40, 45. I just read a book from strength to strength. And I, I love this book because it talks about your giftings that are fluid when you're in your 20s and 30s to then your giftings that are more calcified in your 40s, 50s and 60s. And many people um, experience the calcification earlier than they think, or at least that they want to admit. And so from teachers to public speakers to coaches to athletes, um, we don't want to talk about the reality. Um, and so usually towards the end of our life, the most driven people for success are usually the most unhappy. Mm. And Bethany and I were both just committing to Jesus, uh, committing to our, our kids, committing to our family. Um, we're not going to grow old and bitter. Mm. We're going to get better. And, and by God's grace, we want to, we want to leave a legacy mm -hmm. for, for those coming be behind us. And, 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 and that's the greatest joy, right? Like, mm -hmm that in my 70s and 80s, I think they're going to be my greatest season. Um, and which means if you don't experience good relationships in your 20s and 30s, you probably need to shift. Mm -hmm. if, because those are the things in our 70s and 80s is everything. Mm -hmm. Relationships are everything. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, that's, that's actually what our coaching is going to be about, yeah. is just asking questions and... Um, mm -hmm. Because when people ask are asked questions, there's self-discovery. And, and that's the best growth you can have is when you begin to um, see it yourself. Yeah. And, um, and so we're just helping people as, as much as we can. Yeah, it's exciting. It's like yeah. 
we didn't know we'd be here. Obviously, this year has looked like a lot of unknowns and the fear of the unknown has been knocking on our door. But when you stay anchored to the Lord, the unknown, like if he's acquainted with all of our ways, like I've been saying to myself every day when I feel like I, you know, that fear is knocking on my door, like, God, you know, the path I take, like you're the shepherd that I'm going to follow. And what's so cool where we've landed at this place today with some clarity that gosh, we waited for this clarity, that patient endurance is like, we're basically still doing what we've been doing for the last 20 years, which is pastoring people, discipling people. It's just shifted a little bit. We, you know, we have to be innovative and creative because we don't have that full, that consistent paycheck coming in. But we just have a lot of belief that like, we didn't have to reinvent ourselves. Like we still want to make our lives. We want to make a big deal about God. We want to make a big deal about being the healthiest version you can be. And we want to make a big deal about pouring courage into others. Like what are your creative, innovative ideas that God has given you to live out? And so it's a little different, but it's still like, we've kind of realized like, wow, like, oh my gosh, those were some hard days and months to get through, but here we are. We don't have to recreate who we are because we know our identity and it's like, there's just a, a tangible excitement for us. We're both pastors. So sorry. We, we talk no, so much. Yeah. No, you're, that's great. Well, that's a podcast. My goal is just to give you some alley-oops. So let's let you just run with it and slam dunk it, which y'all did. Great job. I love it. So inspired. And uh, a phrasing, a concept I've been kind of talking the last month or so is to surrender to your greatness. Mm. You both are in a season of your life. You've done some amazing things, overcame some challenges, have impacted, have grown. I think we get more afraid of our greatness than our failures. Mm. So my encouragement is to just surrender to your greatness. You both are amazing people who are beautiful, faithful, talented, experienced, have so much to offer. So uh, when I was hearing what y'all were doing, I was like, we got to get y'all on the podcast and get this message to more people because more people like myself could use both of your services. Can I hire both of you? You know, for my, some life coaching and for some business leadership work, you know, it'd be great to have you both um, help me out. But uh, maybe last question. I just I usually ask about, you know, how do you master your mindset? But I want to just last question before you tell the listeners where we, we can find you is um, the power of like asking the right question. Maybe both of you last question for you is what's one question we should ask ourselves? Mm. On the spot, let's go. On the spot. I mean, what resonates with me is like Mark talked about it is legacy. I think when you're in hardship, you lose track of uh, what what legacy am I living? And the only way we're gonna any of us get to our legacy is by making sure that we're making we're just doing the best we can with that day. Like you don't you don't get to your legacy by striving to accomplish what you want to accomplish. You got to show up every day. And just do your best, like know your values, know your, um, you know, know who you are. And I think that 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 to me is that question of um, like, what legacy? I mean, that's been our biggest thing. Like, what is it that we want people to be able to say about? What are people going to say about the, the legacy of the Wymores? Was the legacy of the Wymores that we started a church? No, like we started it. Like we didn't want to resign from the church. Um, and that was, that was hard to lay down, but, but my legacy is bigger than that. We started a church in San Diego. My legacy is bigger than that. We made it through one transplant and now going to make it through two transplants. Like what is, um, what is our legacy? Yeah, I think, I think the question, um, because we're taking it day at a time, literally every day, Mm -hmm. one day at a time, um, who am I becoming? And 
And so I started, I started uh, about a year ago doing silence and solitude um, in the mornings. And my, um, my friend mm -hmm. said, Hey, I want you to set a timer for five minutes and just do silence and solitude. And I'm like, Oh, that's easy. And I said, can I put background music? He's all, no, just silence. And so for five minutes, um, right outside here, I've got a, a fire pit and I go out for five minutes and you would be amazed within the five minutes, my mind is going, my thoughts are going. And, and I told him, this is the worst idea ever, bro. And he, I, I said, this is, this is dumb. And, and she said, okay, I want you to try it again. Five minutes. I called him back. I said, this is horrible. I can't, I can't do five minutes. There's just too much going on. I, I get stressed. I get anxious. I'm sweating. Um, and, and so it was really interesting. He said, what if your time of silence and solitude was never about you? It was about the God that created you, just wants to see you. I mean, Colin, you have you have like 17 kids. You 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 know what this is like. Like when I have a baby, I would hold my baby and I know they're not going to do anything for me. I know all they're going to do is cry and use the bathroom and want to eat. But I just would stare at my babies for so long. And I just have forgotten just the idea of who I'm becoming. And I think we can all do that, that I can become my work. I've become my fatherhood, my, you know, my adulthood, um, that I'm, I'm just a son of God. Hmm. I'm just a son of a God who loves me and created me. And so my time of silence and solitude has just been, okay, today, who am I becoming? And that God sees me for the five, for the five minutes of just being silent before him. Um, I go into churches. It makes me emotional. Um, I felt like God said, don't sing. And I'm like, God, this is what I do for you. I, I show up and I sing and I sing better than usually the people on the stage. <laughs> and he's like, I want you to shut your mouth and let me see you. I want to see you. And the Bible says that he sings over us with songs of rejoicing. And, and so it's like this idea for me. Um, right now, mm -hmm. my biggest question is, Lord, who am I becoming? Mm -hmm. um, okay, I've got 130 songs. Who cares? Mm -hmm. God's asking me, who were you becoming when you wrote that song? Mark, who were you becoming when you wrote that sermon? Who were you becoming when you planted a church? Who were you becoming when you married Bethany, when you had your babies? Who was I making you in that season? And that's probably the bigger question for me right now mm -hmm. is who... Am I becoming? Because who I become is who I'll leave. Uh, yeah. Um, ooh, what a what a handoff. You answered that, was... that way better because yeah, I, I went so futuristic, which is way more you. Well, and I'm, all I'm in the today. moment right now. That was and God's stretching both of us. That was really good. That's good. But we're gonna wrap up, and I'm thinking as we conclude, I'm all about action, all about the application. So, listeners, if you got this far, thank you for staying with us. But ask yourself, who am I becoming? And through that growth, what is my legacy? What is my impact? And how can we find that? Is in stillness. Yeah. In stillness. And ask the Lord, Lord, help drive us. Or just let him observe and help guide it. When you have those two questions, better questions, better answers, that'll give you some more clarity to endure, to have that resilience. 
to get vulnerable. It's yeah. about um, his kingdom, about impact, not about you. Well, I love both of you. Great job. Let us know where we can find you. Right now, I do not have my website done. So I just launched a new Instagram. And um, you can find me at JuiceBoxBetty on Instagram. Yeah, I'm on uh, at Mark Wymore um, on Instagram. And then MarkWymore.com launched this week. New website. So, yeah. Exciting. Well, great job. M-A-R-C, not M-A-R-K. Oh, it's a big See. one. Well, we end every episode with this truth. The body has limits, but the mind is limitless. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you.